Unnecessary Roughness with 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the national championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, T.J., uh, two playoff games, both of them at Ford Field, both of them wins for the Detroit Lions. They're heading out to San Francisco for the NFC Championship game. Wait, what? I know. I can't. I can't hardly. You and I have been um, a little bit bolder with our predictions than most, but I don't think even you or I thought at the beginning of the year, or even halfway through the year, certainly not after Thanksgiving, thought that we would be talking about a team in the NFC Championship game. What I mean, tell us a little bit about the experience at Ford Field. What's what was it like after the game? Um, I mean, all season long, Ford Field has really turned into. one of the best places to play in the league. Yep. It's a, it's such a fun atmosphere. It's a rowdy atmosphere. It's probably intimidating for the other teams to come in. And uh, because, you know, the one thing about our fans too, is like, we don't allow other teams to take over our stadium. Right. You know what I mean? Sell them tickets. You didn't see many red, much red in the stands yesterday. No, you didn't if it was red, Tampa they fans. were probably wearing uh, Red Wings uh, garb well, because right. they were going to go yeah, to the LCA the after the game. All season long, um, you know, I've I, I I've known this for a long time. You know, I'm playing in eight years in Green Bay and coming to Ford Field. Uh, you knew what kind of potential that place had, and I played in a couple games. Where we were like, man, this place is kind of intimidating. Like it feels like a dungeon almost, yeah. like a, just a concrete jungle down there. And uh, you know, you, you saw what kind of potential it had. But this season, man, they, they, these fans have taken it to a new level, and it's been consistent week in, week out. Um, you know, the coat. Campbell yesterday after the game talked about it. Uh, you know, a bunch of players talked about just what it was like playing at Ford Field this year. Um, really done something special, man. You know, they've changed expectations. And, and look, I think it helps, too, when the players tell the fans exactly how much of a difference it makes. You know what I mean? Because as a fan, you don't really know. You know, are we really making a difference? Uh, you know, I don't know. But when you hear the players uh, confirm that you are, you know, that obviously gives you more uh, motivation, <laughs> more pride to you know, do that week in, week out. <clears throat> Yesterday was, um, it was awesome. It was a fitting send out, you know, for this team. Um, last game at home for this season, at least. And, you know, the great part was even after the game, you know, watching how many people were still in their seats. And, uh, you know, they did a couple on-field interviews with the players over the loud system and just hearing the roars and the Jared Goff chants. And um, it's, if I was a free agent, <clears throat> like, Detroit would be high up on my list. It, it just looks like such a fun place to play, and it is a fun place to play. These guys love it here, and they love playing for Dan Campbell. And um, yesterday was uh, – it was incredible, man. It was incredible. We knew it was probably going to be a bit of a dogfight, uh, right, which what it, it was, especially in the first half, you know, 10-10 going into half and, yeah. you know, got to make some adjustments. Oh, hey, defense, just keep keep holding them. Keep holding them, man, until you give our offense a little bit more time to get something going, you know, and once we get going, we'll, we'll be all right, right? And they did. They went on three straight scoring drives there at the end of the third, start of the fourth, uh, which made the difference. But, um, I, I mean, you take pride in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and there's so much pride going around, whether it's fans, whether it's players, whether it's, you know, I, I got to play here for two years. Um, but, you know, for the former players, the alumni, John, you played here. Yeah. Um, you know, you feel like what these guys are doing 
is is not just for them or not just for the coaches and we're not taking any credit when i say this but like i think for the first time in a long time there's a lot of alumni like us out there that are proud to be you know detroit lions alumni we're yeah. proud to play we played for this team now we know we didn't have the success that these guys uh, had but this is what we all wanted to do right so we all feel like we're kind of a a small part of it as well and um you know that's what i that's what i respect a lot and appreciate from these players is is they're they're, they're changing the narrative uh around this city around this team and it's been great to, for me to be on the sideline and, and watch and, and get another chance this week to go to San Fran and just uh, just keep believing, man. Just keep hoping. I mean, there's there's four teams that get to work today, right? And there's 28 teams that are wishing uh, planning some golf trips, right? Yep. Getting out of town. And uh, Detroit Lions are still working, man. That's uh, it's incredible. And we are at this point in January, normally talking about our, you know third mock draft right and, you know who do we want who is going to be the key for yeah, who's going to be there at 18 for us right. to get this year <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so now it is hey you know you're going to be picking 29 30 31 or 32 yeah and at this point you might as well be picking 32 and, and we'll talk about the matchup with san francisco a little bit later in the program and later this week i'll, I'll get a chance to talk more about it but Let's talk more about what happened at Ford Field yesterday. And that was, and, and I, I've, I've said this before, I've always wanted to watch a Lions team or a local team be in a heavyweight bout and, and at least be in the game. Now we've had two heavyweight bouts. And when, when LA, when the Rams came in here, they came in with their A game. They came in flying high thinking that, hey, Matthew Stafford, that passing game, they were going to come out with a win. And a lot of people were picking the Rams to win. Detroit said no. And then Tampa coming in here, Baker Mayfield, he's a winner. He's scrappy. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they were coming in here on a high, you know, with, with great rhythm. And, and rightfully so. They had won some games at the end of the year. They earned the right to be, you know, coming to Detroit to play us yeah. in, 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 you know, the divisional round. But the Lions have always responded. I want to ask you this. In the 60 minutes of playing, so it's not in a, any moments after, nothing leading up to it, but in the 60 minutes, in your opinion, what was the key moment of that game? If you could just, if you had to, you know, put it in in, in one play or in one moment, what was the key moment of that game? I think the first key was getting a stop coming out of halftime yeah. um, because Tampa had just got a little bit of momentum going into half. They went on a... 90 play drive uh in that two minute situation to tie the game up um right there you felt like I, I think there was no point in the first half where you felt like oh man like I'm kind of nervous about the way this game's going but that was the moment that was like oh we gotta we gotta wake up we gotta go now right um and Tampa coming out of half getting the ball started moving it a little bit went six plays um you know 20 some yards and then you know third down I think it was right about midfield, you know, Hutchinson comes up with a huge sack. Oh, yeah. And it's like, my goodness, like that is, that was massive to make sure you never gave the lead up. Um, <clears throat> later in the game, I think it might have been, uh, I think on the second touchdown drive of the second half. The one that Gibson um, had the long run on? Yeah, or maybe it was, uh, here, let me look at it. Actually, it was the last touchdown, I'm sorry. Monroe St. Brown. Third and 15. Third and 15, where extremely low percentage play, right? I mean, a lot of times we've seen him, hey, let's just run a draw, right? Or, hey, let's get a quick screen out there. Um, for Ben Johnson to stay aggressive and say, you know what? Get it to our guy. Like, get it to 14. Let him 
try to make something special. And, um, you know, for them to convert that at that moment of the game, because that was still nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, you had a one score lead. Um, you know, like I said, right about midfield again, uh, that was a massive play because that allowed them to go up. Uh, I think it was 31 17 at that time. And that's where you started feeling, Oh man, like <laughs> this, this game might be, this game might be ours. You know what I mean? Now we know Tampa obviously fought back, but those two, those two plays for me, the Hutchinson sack coming out of halftime, uh, and then Amon Ra, that third and long that he picked up later in the game were were two plays that that just stood out as being kind of those, okay, we're good. We can take a deep breath. These, yeah. these guys are ready to go. Uh, these guys are ready to keep battling type moments. Yeah, I, I would say that Amon Ra St. Brown one too, because that that, you know, at that point, you're only up a touchdown. That drive kept everything alive. You go up two scores because later on it was Amon Ross St. Brown for, you know, a touchdown, which was a great catch in the you know back corner of the end zone. Yeah. But to be able to, you know, and we always talk about, hey, if if you know where the first down marker is, you've got to run your route to the first down. Well, if you, if Amon Ross St. Brown runs his route to the first down marker, catches the ball there, one, it's it's too it takes too long. Yeah. And, and he's not going to be there. And you allow that safety to try and, and jump in front of you. He takes it to where he knew he could be open but then knew exactly how far he had to get for the first down yeah. and carried three Tampa Bay Buccaneer defenders with him. He didn't get by much. No, he didn't get by <laughs> he didn't much, get by but he much. knew where he had to get to. Yeah. And he was, uh, and, and, you know, he was not going down until he got to that first down, uh, first down yardage. Yeah. I mean, that's determination. And that's who yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown is, right? He had a play earlier in that game where you don't see him drop many balls. And I know it was a little bit, if you want to nitpick, okay, it was a little bit of a high throw, but that's a catch that Amon Ross and Brown makes literally 499 out of 500. You know what I mean? Like, so after that moment, you're like, damn, that's a big drop. But I'm kind of glad it happened because we're going to see Amon Ross like, yeah. take his game uh, to a new level. That's going to piss him off and, and hopefully drive him to make some bigger plays the rest of this game, which it did. Yeah, and, and I think not only – I mean, it, it when you have a play like that – and you and I see this a lot when, hey, there's got to be a first down, you hand the ball off at the end of the game, and you know a, a running back just keeps churning his legs, right? And the, the offensive linemen jump in, they're pushing him forward, you pick up a first down. It energizes a team. Yeah. That seemed to energize that team, and it's it's something that this team, whether it's Amon Ross St. Brown or it's it's any other player that has a moment like that, and that's I think that's to me that's been the big thing. It's not just Amon Ross St. Brown; he is the bell cow of this team. He's yeah. the leader. He's the guy that makes a majority of those plays. But when other guys are called upon, Jameer Gibbs in the second uh, touchdown of the second half. He's he's going up on you know on an all pro Pro Bowl you know safety and just simply makes a move and runs away from him in Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. That to me was the personification of what how he's developed throughout the course of this year and now he's finally a game changing player yeah and, and and it can happen anytime he touches the ball. We saw David Montgomery when we were uh, when you guys were out um, playing the Chargers. Hey, he gets the ball. It's it's you know first and ten at the twenty five yard line he goes seventy five yards like at at any point during the course of a game and throughout the course of this season, Craig Reynolds fourth and one, guys step up when their number is called to make plays. Yeah, and I think that you know a guy like Jameer Gibbs, um, he's, he's spectacular. You know we saw that on the on the long touchdown run yesterday and and setting it up and making a move and and just seeing the speed and what I really loved about that play was you know when he got down to about the two yard line. Instead of diving in, like he was looking for contact, he threw the arm out and just threw up 
hellacious stiff arm to finish that yeah. play on Antoine Winfield. And it was like, oh my God, that is an attitude play right there, right? Um, but for Jameer, I think he's really benefited having a guy like David Montgomery too. I think David Montgomery has allowed uh, Gibbs to kind of mature a little bit and not throw too much of a heavy workload on Jameer Gibbs, but to let him know what it takes to be successful in this league, what it takes to uh, you know, find ways to get better every single week. I think Dave, Dave Montgomery has had a huge influence uh, on him. And you know, the, I think another great part about this team is we, we know there's going to be mistakes every game. Yeah, yeah. And I, John, you played 12 years. I played 10 years. Not once did you anybody that I've ever played with play a perfect game where it's just mistake free and oh, yep, just went out there, did whatever ever I wanted. And boom, we were great. You know, perfect game. Never seen it in, in you know, 20 years of being around the NFL. Yeah. Um, but if you can keep the, your mistakes to small mistakes you know what i mean and not devastating mistakes um like uh, amon ra right the third down earlier in the game where he drops it right massive you know mistake probably for amon ra but in the course of things no okay we still got a chance hey we'll punt it back let our defense go out there play team football right um early in the game right when you got the ball at the you know inside the five and oh man we got tackled for a two-yard loss there on the goal line like okay yeah, mistake. Let's take a field goal out of it. Let's not compound these mistakes into, you know, missing out on points. Take the field goal. Okay, small mistake, right? Happens. Um, later in the game, right? Fourth and 14. Kind of stunk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you saw, you sent pressure. Baker Mayfield made a hell of a play with Mike Evans. Um, mistake? Yeah, mistake. But devastating blow? No. I mean, they yeah. still had to drive the rest of the length of the field, which they ended up doing. But you know what I mean? You're not making... You're not making the, oh, oh man, I blew an assignment and it's, it's a sack fumble. Or, or man, I, I got down on the goal line. You got, I will say, Garrett Goff got a little bit lucky there yesterday with the dropped interception, right? That could have been a massive mistake because yeah. that could have been maybe a 10-point swing. Who knows? Um, but I think the biggest thing is when you're still making mistakes, but you find a way to, to limit them and find a way to make sure that they're not going to be these devastating blows. They don't compound. This team is good enough to go out there and compete with anybody and have a chance to win. So that's obviously been the key for, you know, the last two playoff games at least. And that's going to be another massive key going into San Francisco. You want a chance to win, you're going to have to play clean football, right? Yeah. And you're going to have to – we know that San Fran is going to have some chunk plays. They've got some dudes over there. That's just how it goes in the NFL. But if you can limit the big mistakes – um, that have hurt you this season when we've seen a couple turnovers and a couple guys missed assignments, you, you got a chance to beat anybody. And that's the great part about this team. So let's talk O-line. Um, and let's start with Frank Rag now. Uh, a, a, an unbelievable job and a tough task. Vita Vea, that's a big dude. A and Kalaja Kansi in there as well <laughs> at times. Like you got you got two different worlds. You've got a guy who's a massive, powerful individual. And you got another guy that is, well, I mean, what is he, 6'1"? you know, 280 pounds and could play in a completely different style of game in Kalijah Kansi. Yeah. But Frank and Frank got dinged up right before halftime, but he battled the entire day. Yeah. And, you know, so let's start there. Your thoughts on, on Frank and his ability to you know handle pain, but also play at a high level. Yeah. Frank is as, as consistent as they come. And some kind, sometimes guys like that are underappreciated just because you're used to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the couple, 
really special players I played with. You know, when you talk about Charles Woodson and Aaron Rodgers and Julius Peppers and Clay Matthews, like they're just so consistent that I think you get used to it and maybe you take that for granted a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Frank fits into that category that yeah, it's just Frank, man. Like he's just out there doing his thing, man. We know what we got with him. He's he's Mister Consistent. He, we know where you know he's going to be. He, 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 we know he's going to get his job done, right? Um, he's so undervalued, in my opinion, because it is so important to have an offensive line that is not only good physically but great mentally, right? If you can get to the line of scrimmage, and I was a guy that, you know, I'll tell you, John, I'm not bragging, but I didn't have the best physical abilities, right? But I had to find ways to create advantages, and that was on the mental side. And, you know, when you're in the huddle, everybody's looking at the quarterback. I used to look out at the defense because you can pick up some small tips. Hey, right, the two defensive tackles are talking to each other. Hey, watch for a stunt here. Watch yeah. for a pressure or something. Some weird's going on, you know? Frank has that ability to dissect what teams are going to do before the ball is snapped. And I think that guy, a guy like that is the quarterback's best friend. And Ben Johnson <laughs> called him his secret weapon. Yeah. It's a play caller's best friend because you're not now loading everything onto the quarterback where the quarterback's got to come in figure out the personnel, figure out the front, right? Figure out the rotation, figure out this, figure out it. If you can have Frank, a guy up there in a smart offensive line that says, Hey, we're good under front. Boom. Watch this. Okay. What do you want to do? It, it makes the quarterback's job so much easier in trying to get you into a, a more efficient play, not a perfect play, but a more efficient play. And I think that's what Frank does. And I think that's the undervalued part uh, of his game is the mental side of it and how he's able to dissect things and, and read blitzes and, and watches so much film that, hey, I know exactly what you're doing before the ball is snapped. You have that kind of advantage. I mean, you're never going to get beat, right? And I think that's why uh, Frank is such a high-level player. But Talk about the toughness. I mean, he was in a lot of pain, and I didn't see the replay. I saw it live when it happened on the sack, and he got rolled into. I think it was on the third and one. Yeah, um, empty. <laughs> didn't like the play call first of all. But, <laughs> That's why I threw that one like out there. The, yeah, I didn't like the play call. Um, <laughs> formation. But you know, it, it looked pretty bad at the moment, yeah. and that I think was, I think that was right pretty shortly after Jonah had exited the game. If I'm not mistaken, um, I it think was, Jonah Jonah went out early in the second quarter, and and I think it was like, uh, maybe Frank a drive or right two about away. The two yeah, it was yeah. about a drive or two away. Yeah. But uh, you're sitting there looking. Jonah goes out. It's like, mm, man, like not ideal. This is obviously our worst nightmare. And then Frank rolled up on him. Was like, oh no, like, oh boy, please be okay. Yeah. And I was actually sitting behind the bench, and I walked him kind of limber off to the sideline, and bunch of people coming up to him and you just saw him nodding like yeah i'm, yeah. I'm good i'm good fine. you know when you get rolled up on your knees i think sometimes it's you're a little scarier. bit more scared yeah. than you are you know uh, in pain yeah so i think when he got up and you know okay you're like oh, guys i'm there. gonna be good right he's been a guy that he's battled through you know all season long um with his his injuries but he's the guy man he is the leader of not only that offense, I think the entire team. I think guys have so much appreciation for what he does, um, the the new bars that he raises when it comes to, like you mentioned, toughing things out and and pain management and, hey, if I can go, I got to go. That's going to be contagious to the rest of the group when you see a guy like that that's, in a, lot of pain, that's in a lot of pain going out there and still battling his ass off. He's doing it for his teammates. And I think an attitude like that, a guy like that, um, like I said, man, that wears off on the rest of the team. So I think he – can't say enough good things about him, man. He sets an, a tremendous example for the rest of that team. So let's talk about the guards. Um, you know, Jonah Jackson went down. 
uh, Owasika goes in at left guard, Graham, Glasgow at right guard. And I thought, so the standard's different for both of those guys. I don't expect Owasika to go in there and play like Jonah Jackson. I thought he played fine. Graham yeah, Glasgow. Nothing glaring. Right? right, yeah, nothing glaring. Uh, Glasgow in the first half, I thought he underperformed, played better in the second half. Um, but I was, I, I got to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed in Graham. Some of the run blocks, it felt like he got beat across his face. In the pass block, he just, it just kind of seemed out of place. You know, that's, I'll preface it by saying that is a, that is a very, very, very difficult defense um, oh, to agree. play against. That's why I'm I preface you, you it by that. that. But with that being said, I, I think you're right when you talk about the expectations of our guys. It's like, I don't care who you're playing, man. Like, you guys are good enough to go out there and dominate. Um, Tampa did some things that were, <laughs> really difficult i'll just be like john you know this too if you're running a zone play and you get any movement across your face and you don't have the perfect double team called you're going to be vulnerable you know what i mean like it's just it's really really difficult to block or hey i gotta i got a down block on this guy and he crosses my face like, uh, sometimes you just like it, it it's it's almost a perfect play call against what you're doing right and you still got to find ways to adjust and figure things out on the fly um look i'll say man uh, the i think the sack that graham lad up I didn't go back and really watch the replay yet. It felt like it, it was kind of a quick move. Yeah. Um, Kansi, I'm telling you, man, that kid is a good player. I know we talked about it all last year, you know, on our draft prep draft draft prep. I was excited about that kid. And he's he didn't really come along until late in the season either. The first time they played him, he was dealing with a calf injury and he missed a ton of time in training camp. But you watch his last like four games. I mean, the guy's a difference good. maker. He's really good. And I, maybe, I don't know if I'm saying they underestimated him, but really the first chance you got to see a guy like that where it's like, oh, man, like I'm going to have my hands full today. However, I will say, and we talk about it all the time, and you even mentioned, right, the ability to bounce back, the ability to, man, my first half sucked. I hate the way I'm playing right now. The lights got to go on. I got to figure this out because it's going to be a long day, right? And especially in, in, in if you're in Graham's shoes, you have to know, hey, when Jonah goes out, Every pass play, guess which way that center sliding? He's going to help the backup. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be one-on-one. I got to figure it out. And he did figure it out. And it was really, really obvious on Jameer Gibbs's long touchdown run. Graham did an amazing job with Penesuel next to him of handling the movement, wiping his guys completely off the side of the field, and allowing that you know gigantic crease to open up for Jameer Gibbs to get up to that third level untouched um so that's what I look for in offensive line that's what I appreciate about guys like that is that you know what a they don't let the bad plays trickle into more and just man by the fourth quarter I'm just completely out of my game I'm mentally screwed up like I can't figure it out today you find a way to put a stop to it get back on track and that's what Graham does that's what this whole offensive line does and it sounds like they're going to probably have the same lineup that they finished the game with yesterday and I know we'll get more updates as the week goes on but talking to coach after the game yesterday he didn't sound very uh, hopeful that Jonah will be available uh, this week, at least for for San Francisco. So, um, but the good part is, man, like they, we've seen a lot of musical chairs through that offensive line, and for the most part, you know, with the expectations and the standards that they have in that room, uh, I'm sure they can find ways to to go out there and and not let one injury just completely deplete them and um, you know change the game plan of, of what they want to do offensively. Um, so let's talk about the tackles now because I thought Decker played a really good game, but Penny yeah. Sewell. Every time I watch him play, he's so athletic, he's so powerful, he's so well-balanced that I thought he was literally just toying with 
you know, the, the, the defender, whoever was across from him. He set his sets were consistent. He was in good position. He was balanced. He was low. If he got out of position at all, he's got that that great ability to recover, yeah. uh, whether it's with his feet, his body, his hands. I thought he was absolutely dominant. Did you see him smoke the oh, yeah. defensive back too oh, on yeah. one of those counter oh. plays? I tell you what, I, oh, I, I, I love goodness. watching him play. And if you know, for those that are listening, or if you're watching on YouTube, go back and watch Penny Sewell against Tampa. Because he literally, and I tweeted this out during the game in the first quarter, I was like he is literally a lying playing with his food. Yeah. Because he was just, toy- and, and at times, he looks bored. <laughs> he makes it look easy. He does make he it, look it look easy. easy. And I'm like, yeah. God damn, if it was that easy for me, it would have been I'm, really I'm, nice. I'm in the same boat. I played with a couple of guys. Josh Sitton, a guy played with those pro bowler for a long time. And, and same type of player. Just looked like he was giving minimum effort and just, you know, completely mauling people every single play and it's like man i'm over here freaking scrapping with one foot on the ground and my arms all waving around like i'm over here scrapping for every win yeah this guy's over here just do, 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 do. like oh, another day at the office yeah. <laughs> i'm like man God i'm so jealous because how do you make it look that easy but panay you know he is um i'll tell you man i think that they like kind of the same thing with frank where he's just doing it so consistent at a high level right now that Nothing really surprises you anymore. You're just like, oh, yep, that's 58, man. Yep, that's Sewell for you. Like, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, he is just, I mean, he's an absolute stud. He just is. He, he's fun to watch. Uh, big part of, obviously, the run game. And look, Jared Goff, I think, uh, how comfortable has he looked this year, you know, just based off of, you could just tell he knows the offensive line is going to take care of him. You know yeah. what I mean? You can tell he just doesn't panic. It's just, oh, yep, my guy's got me. Hey, they want to bring pressure over here. I know, I know they're going to pick it up. Like, we're good. Let's go. You know, and um, don't take it for granted, man, because these guys, these guys are special players. These guys yep. are special players, man, especially when you talk about Frank and, and Decker, a guy that's been around a long time. Uh, Panesa will doing it on the, on the right side. Uh, it's a fun group to watch. I might be uh, usually, what what's it, Monday morning? Normally by Tuesday morning, I think the film starts to come out where we can access it. I, I can't wait to go, go back and watch some of these plays that the offensive line had in that game, especially late in that game, right? We know the run game kind of uh, not, not that great, early in that game they actually had to get away from it for a, a large chunk of that game but fourth quarter when it's our time right man they they really started to come through and and get some big plays there so this is gonna be a game i'm excited to go back and just watch the the offensive line and how they finished the game and it was impressive yeah so let's talk a little bit more about the defense now um because you know we know hutch is an impactful player i think a lot of what he does goes unseen but it seems like every play he is, he's in on it. We see him making plays, you know, and I know he was dropping into coverage, um, but he's making plays on Chris Godwin um, on a wide receiver screen. He's making plays downfield when, when it's just a matter of not giving up in pursuit. He's making plays in the run game. He got a sack in that game. It was a big sack, a big time at the, of the game. But I really think Aaron Glenn deserves a lot of credit since that Denver game. He has adjusted, I think, his – concepts to uh, and, and adapted to what he's got. He knows what he's got and he's trying to maximize every single opportunity that he has. And whether it's Brian Branch coming off the edge, uh, Melifonwu who had a sack and a half, but finding ways to pressure opposing quarterbacks when you know, you've really only got one legitimate pass rusher yeah. up front. Yeah. And not really changed their identity, but just kind of morphed a little bit yeah. right, into one of those. And I wish I can remember the show, but we were kind of begging for this, you know, a couple months ago, man, just, uh, just 
give me some exotic blitzes. Give me something that nobody like week to week, right? The hardest teams are, Hey, what are they going to do this week on third down? What's the package they're going to have for us? How fast can we adjust to it? Uh, the Lions really didn't do that the first half of the season and probably starting the Denver game. It was like, Oh my yeah. goodness. Like they're sending safeties or sending that's when corners, they're sending, showed up. They're sending everybody like, my yeah. goodness, I've never seen him do that, you know? And so he's kind of morphed into having that, you know, kind of, exotic look to him a little bit right yesterday was a little bit different I think yesterday normally with this team uh you know the past four weeks we saw a lot of you know first and second down hey we're just going to play our base defense let's try to get into third down and then we're going to send the pressure yesterday was kind of the opposite they were bringing a lot of pressure on early downs and then a lot of the third downs at least to start the game was hey we're going to make it look like blitz and then we're dropping eight guys right and you started confusing Baker a little bit you know and, and he started kind of launching some balls and you know so I think the plan you yesterday was really really well balanced and uh, uh, probably a good time to to change it up you've had four games now of where hey this is our id this is what we're doing third down we're bringing a ton of pressure well guess what this week maybe we're going to cover a little bit more uh, on some third downs right and which they did and they had a lot of success doing that um but i just think when you talk about guys like Hutchinson, right he is the one guy that you're saying if you're aaron glenn and i'm calling four man rush like I got, I need 97 to get home, right? Yeah. Because they're, and I'm not trying to be Gotta negative here, but no. there's still a lot of times where if they're sending four guys, it's like, oh boy, like he's got a lot of, the quarterback's got a lot of time back there. You know, I, I don't like our secondary having to cover for five, six, seven seconds. Um, so that's why I think he has kind of forced himself into, you know, sparking that pressure and, and generating pressure based off of some some of those looks because he wants to help a guy like Aiden Hutchinson out. He doesn't want to put that much pressure on one player to say, if you're not getting home today, man, we're screwed, right? We need you, man. Like, no, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to take some of the pressure off of you. And then as soon as they think, hey, now we got to go double uh, 97, that's where you send the pressure from the other side and you drop 97 back into coverage and you find a free runner because you throw the offense out, right? So I think what Aaron Glenn has done the last month and a half uh, uh, with this defense has been incredible. And look, we all know that they still give up some big plays, right? We know that, especially in the passing game. We, we know that there's times, and even happened yesterday, where if you send pressure and it doesn't get home, you got a chance for a big play. But I thought yesterday, for the most part, they kept everything in front of them. And the black and white bottom line thing for me is you hold teams to 23 points. You hold team – what last week was 23 points, right? Yep. You held Minnesota to 20. You held Denver to, like, 17. You held Dallas to 20 points. That's, That's winning, winning football. football. That is yep. winning football, especially with the offense that you have. I think this offense knows – just hold them to around 20, 20, 23 points. We got you. You know what I mean? And that's what this defense has been doing. And that's the bottom line for me. I said it last week. I don't care if Stafford throws for 500 yards. If you can keep them to around that 20, 23 point mark, that's good enough to win. And especially in the playoffs when I don't care, like coach said, if it's two nothing, three to two, or we got to go out there and win 60 to 59. I don't care what it looks like. We just got to find a way to win. And that's what they've been doing, man. And it's this defense has been a major major part of that because we've still seen the offense go through spurts now even the last couple games right last week was the second half three points defense we need you got the job done this week right offense kind of in that second third quarter disappeared a little bit right defense hey just keep us in this game we're going to figure it out eventually they did that that's 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 good team football that's all three phases you know doing their job and this defense has been incredible man and Aaron Glenn has been a major major part of that well, and I, one of the guys that's taken a lot of heat, um, and I understand it if you're just looking at numbers, but Cam Sutton, when you gamble up front, 
when you're bringing Branch, you're bringing Melifonwu, right? you're playing man coverage on the back end a yeah. lot of times, or at least somebody's playing man coverage. It's been Cam Sutton. He's your best cover corner. But then you look and you say, well, okay, against DJ Moore, he gave up a lot of yards. Against Justin Jefferson twice, gave up a lot of yards. C.D. Lamb, uh, Puka Nakua, mm-hmm. and now Mike Evans. So people are looking at that, and and I we heard this in the morning show quite a bit. Hey, give him a plane ticket. Send him out of town. Hold on a second here. <laughs> yeah. He is, he's your best cover guy. Yeah. He is being exposed. He's being asked to cover some of the NFL's best receivers. Mike Evans, Literally. Pro Bowl guy. Justin yeah. Jefferson, probably the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah. And he's going to give up yards. Those guys are going to make some plays, even against the best corners in this league. Then you put them one-on-one. Then you gamble up front. There's that risk-reward. And every once in a while, the 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 risk is you you got a guy on an island, and he gives up a, a play to Mike Evans. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> Again, you're going to have a quarterback like uh, uh, Matthew Stafford that may throw for yeah. 400 yards or 350 yards, but it all comes down to how many times do you get home? How many times do you put a hit on him? How many times do you get him off his mark? And now all of a sudden that, that play is incomplete because you've got to take some gambles. Yeah, and Cam Sutton has been through a gauntlet, man. Like yeah. This is the hardest stretch I think for any defensive back I've seen in a long time, right? Uh, just, <laughs> just Justin Jefferson. We know missed a ton twice. of games this year, but that is, fresh. A, that is a perennial all pro, all pro player. CD Lamb, all pro pro career Bowl. year. Puka Nakua, all pro pro bowl, right? Like Mike Evans, yeah, pro bowl, like 10 straight years of, you know, pro bowl and all pro, you know what I mean? Like that is a freaking gauntlet. Like I, I can imagine sometimes as a player where you're like, when do I get a break, Jeez, man? Like, God damn, right. It. But look, I think Cam Sutton, the thing that I'm learning about him is this guy's a scrapper. Like this guy is, is he as good as a Jalen Ramsey? No. Right. Oh. But guess what? There's one Jalen Ramsey in the freaking league. Is he a sauce gardener? No, he's not. Right. But you know what this guy does He's he battles, man. And uh, sure. When you're looking at the stat sheet and you're saying, Oh, another 140 yard receiver, man, we can't cover anybody. Like, that's why I go back to the black and white. What do you do in the red zone when it really matters? What yeah. do you do on third down when it really matters, right? And and I, that's no tough task, man. I'm not trying to let him off on of the hook by, by any means. I think there was really one drive in there that kind of bothered me, and that was the end of the first half, right, that two-minute drive. And Cam started getting a little bit aggressive, right? He's trying to cheat the coverage a little bit. But, look, that's also the other, other end of the sword that you play with. You ask these defensive backs to go out there and try to generate takeaways and to generate turnovers and, uh, you know, get an interception. Well, the other end of that is, man, if, you, if I'm playing aggressive and I turn my head and I go to make a play on the ball, there's a chance I could lose the guy, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what people, a lot of people don't understand, and that's what I thought he did a little bit yesterday. I will say the thing with this about Cam Sutton is that, he he's just got to make sure mentally that he stays in a consistent spot, you know, because there was a long stretch of the season where we weren't calling his name at all. Right. Right. I think there was a couple plays yesterday where I'm looking and, and one of them, you know, he was on, I think it was, I think it was Mike Evans and Mike Evans kind of looked like he was streaking up the field, but he ran like a 20 yard comeback was wide open. Um, and you could see behind Cam Sutton was CJ Gardner Johnson. And even CJ went up to him and kind of gave him the, Hey, I got you, man. You know, calm yeah. down. I got you. So I think Cam Sutton, uh, look, he's been through a gauntlet, you know, uh, certainly some receivers have had some big days on us, but the thing I appreciate about him is he's going to continue to battle. You know what I mean? He's going to continue yep. to battle. And look, we all still know that, there's there's probably still a few holes on this team, right? We know that. Could, could you use Not some perfect. help? Could you use some help on the defensive line? Sure. Could you use some help in the secondary? Sure. You know, and that's the thing that's going to make everybody better when they get to that point. But, um, you know, I think Cam Sutton. Look, this week 
I don't know what Debo's status is going to be. They're being pretty hush about it in San Francisco. But Brandon Ayuk's pretty damn good receiver, too. I think this is going to be a good opportunity for Cam Sutton to have one of those games where you get in playoffs, and we talked about it earlier, you need some of the unsung heroes. You need some of these role players to step up and do something special. Like, like yesterday, we saw it with Derek Barnes coming out and, and closing that game with the interception, right? You feel like Cam Sutton's probably due for one of those plays, one of those game-changing plays, if not one of those games where it's like, man, yep, mm-hmm. like that's what this team needed. So hopefully that comes this week. Well, uh, as we wrap things up, one game away. From 60 minutes away. I mean, my goodness. And, and like you said, we were, uh, you know, we were probably a little bit higher on this team. Yeah. I think I had about 12 wins. You had about 11, I want to say. Uh, did any of us really think, you know, NFC Championship chance to win the Super Bowl? Um, probably not. But you know what? The one thing is, and we both know this, get your foot in the door. Anything can happen. Yeah. And this team, I think they still have that attitude about them where, and this confidence about them where, uh, it doesn't matter who we're playing. It's all about us. If we continue to do things that, you know, we've built throughout the last 19 games now this season, um, it doesn't matter who's standing on the other sideline. It's all about us. And it's going to be all about them again this week. It's going to be a tough challenge out in San Fran. I can't wait to see what it looks like uh, when we get out there uh, to Levi Stadium. But um, what this team has done just not only this year, the three years i mean is is absolutely spectacular it's great to, for us to get a chance to keep talking about it yeah and it's great to be one of the four teams that you know you get to show up to work again yeah. on monday man it's it's a hell of an opportunity and gosh damn man got a chance we got a chance man we got a chance so hopefully we get a chance to bring you more in-season um, playoff talk. Uh, the Detroit Lions heading out to San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later in the week on Necessary Roughness.